Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satuna, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. So uh, you guys, I hope, my hope is that you'll tell us your recovery story that you want to tell and like how you came to be two of the first four members of Freedom's Path Recovery Society and your involvement in that. Like that's what I know everybody wants to hear. And the less I talk, the better, I assure you, because people are sick of hearing my shit. So, <laughs> well, so who wants to go first? As far as I can tell, I was number three. Okay, so... I did a little review this morning. I looked at my phone to see when we were yeah. first talking about societies and paperwork and right on that sort of thing. Yeah, because who was the other guy? Because it was well, I think it was the three of us. Yeah, that, uh, the were three of us were the first uh, ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember being invited yeah. to a meeting with Dave and Trent, and I wasn't sure what it was going to be about, but it it turned out to be, and I think it was at Tim Hortons on Fourth. That's not important in any event. Yeah. yeah, you guys had done some discussions, and mm -hmm. then and then you'd got it to the point where you thought you needed a structure, and then maybe I could be useful. So, and you have been very. And that was fall twenty six. Thank you. Yeah, I don't mean to speak over you, especially when you're saying that something nice about me. Thank you, but yeah. it's yeah. In any it's true. Event, in any event, it's yeah, that was twenty sixteen, the fall, right? Fall twenty sixteen. Yeah. So I've got a message from December uh, that I looked at today that said that the society had been uh, looked at. We'd analyzed the CRA issue, whatever that was at the time, which I think was probably the charitable statement. Mm -hmm. And then we had paperwork submission and, and registrations in the spring of 2017. That's right. So nearly, nearly six years ago. Wow, I know it was six years. So anyway, just to catch everybody up, we started talking without telling you who's who. Uh, we have Trent. And we have Todd, two of the founders of Freedom's Path Recovery Society tonight. So, yeah, sorry to just start off, but I mean, whatever. I'm sure it's not that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you're just tuning in, these two guys uh, helped get it all started. Uh, I finally drugged them on the podcast. I have been asking them for five years since we started the podcast. And they finally broke them down. We broke them down like one day at a time. Guys, thanks for coming on. It's about to say it's about time you invited us, David. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even count how many times we rescheduled since you guys agreed. Yeah. We've, been, we've been working on our radio voices. That, Had to oh, master good, them before we came. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good call. 
Good call. I think that's the one thing, if anything, a person should practice. Absolutely. Yeah, the radio yeah. voice. So who wants to go first in telling us how we came together? And that would obviously be your recovery story. Like, and however you want to tell that, because that's not my story to tell, right? I know, though, through the years of doing the podcast, um, I have definitely alluded to you guys and mentioned your names more than once. So now people will get like a voice to the names. Right on. Well, I can, uh, I sure. can start off here. This is Trent, and uh, I am an alcoholic and, and an addict. And, hi, Trent. Um, hi, guys. It's like a knee-jerk reaction, eh? If someone adds that on their name, I'm just like, <laughs> hey! <laughs> well, yeah, thank you for inviting us here today. It's it's an honor, and course, it's been man. an honor to be part of, of Freedom's Path. For me, that's a, a key component of feeling like I am a human being who's a productive member of society. Who's, here, here. Yeah, who's mm. who's helping people, right? For a lot of my life, it was all about me. It was a whole lot of time spent up in my head, and, and life for me can still be a whole lot of time spent up in my head if mm. I allow it to be. But when I have the opportunity to help out, which recovery gives me and Freedom's Path gives me, mm. I'm able to get outside of my head and feel like I'm a part of the universe, feel like I'm connected with my fellows instead of instead of apart from my fellows. And, you know, if I think about um, when my recovery story began, actually, I guess it's when my when my suffering story began. It was when I was a kid and it wasn't because it wasn't because I had a terrible upbringing. Um, You know, I had a pretty good upbringing. I don't. I don't know what constitutes a good upbringing or a bad upbringing, but I know I had two parents who loved me and I had a sister who loved me and I always knew they loved me. So I'm pretty darn lucky in that regards because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't get the benefit of that. Um, and I didn't have, you know, I, I had some trauma in my life, but I, I, I guess I don't feel like I had big trauma in my life. And, and when I hear some other people's stories, man, I'm, I'm really grateful for the upbringing I had. So. So how did I get to the stage where I needed help and needed to, you know, come to people like you for help? You know, for me, I, I look back. You must on have it. been pretty bad off if you came to me for help. That was super bad. <laughs> Doesn't get any worse than that. That's scraping the barrel. He's like, dude, yeah. it was a bottom for sure. Yeah, yeah, that was a bottom. That was a bottom. You know, for me, I, like, I feel, it started with a whole bunch of time up in my head. Right, I was that kid who could create problems out of out of nothing, you know, I was, I'd be sitting there in class and, and somebody else might have been having a bad day and, and I would make that all about me, right? Is mm-hmm. that person doesn't like me or I did something wrong. And uh, I loved sports. My dad loved sports and I always wanted my dad's attention. And, and so I wanted to be really good at sports. Well, I'd miss a ground ball and oh my God, I'd, it'd be days up in my head thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, what my dad thinks of me what, uh, despite the fact that I knew my dad loves me, still, mm. still worrying about whether he was proud of me and, and worrying about what my other teammates thought of me. So a whole lot of time up in Trent's head, like self, 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 and, and putting myself in between uh, my relationship with other human beings and with, and with God. And I was always a shy kid. So I could be in a room full of, of people who, you know, I called my friends 
And they were good friends. Like, I'm still friends with some of the kids I grew up with. And I had some really good friends. But I could be in a room with them and feel like I was completely alone. Mm. Feel like I had no idea what to say. Like, I didn't belong. And then, uh, then I discovered alcohol. And that felt good. You know, took away the fear, took away the shyness. Mm -hmm. Alcohol did for me what I couldn't do for myself um, mm -hmm. in terms of feeling like, like my skin fit, like I belonged. And, and you know, I, I kind of think everybody has this yearning for connectedness, whether they call that connectedness God or whether they call that connectedness just internal peace mm -hmm. or uh, whether they you know, describe it as being of service. But there's some sort of connectedness that I think everybody yearns for, and mm -hmm. I definitely yearn for that. And, and alcohol helped me a little bit with getting that feeling of connectedness, hey? And, um, and so when I discovered alcohol, I, I wanted more of it. I said, this is a, this is a pretty good deal. I found like the magic, magic elixir of mm -hmm. life here. So I, uh, I wanted more and more of that. And, and then um, it progressively got worse for me. And um, for a long time, I, I, I felt like I was functioning still as a member of society. And mm -hmm. you know, people would tell me that I had a problem. You know, my mom, I think, was probably the first person to tell me that I had a problem. And then every girlfriend that I had suggested that I had a problem. And what are they? My, what are they? A bunch of idiots, eh? <laughs> <laughs> So my way of dismissing them and putting up a guard was to agree with them, mm -hmm. right? It's like if I, if I say that, say I have a problem first and agree with you, then somehow that was a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. So I, wear, I wore a shirt that said, I'm a drunk, not an alcoholic. Alcoholics go to meetings, mm -hmm. which became ironic a little later on. Did you literally wear that shirt? Oh, yeah, I loved that shirt. That Dude, was my drinking shirt. I yeah. love it. I love it. And it was it was my way of putting up this wall around me, yeah. right? It's like it's like you got you're looking at me like I'm different. But if I say right off the bat that I've got a problem, then it diffuses the whole thing somehow in my twisted head, right? Mm. Um, but you know, I got to a point where I just got desperate. You know, I got um, got desperate and I couldn't couldn't manage life anymore. There's a, a saying in um, in the big book that uh, we, we felt like if we could, that we could wrest satisfaction out of this life if only we managed well. And for a long time, I'd been trying really hard to manage well in life. It was like, if I, if I work extra hard, I'm gonna cover up what's wrong with me. Mm. If I um, look like things are going well from the outside in terms of, you know, you know, having a, you know, having a house or having a girlfriend, you know, making my circumstances mm -hmm. all look like, man, this guy has his SHIT yeah. together, yeah. Then, uh, then, then I'll be okay. But I wasn't okay, you know, and I got less and less okay all the time, and the anxiety and the depression got worse and worse. And, you know, despite having an amazing family, you know, there were areas where, where, you know, they probably didn't give me some of the spiritual tools, and I don't blame them for that, um, but they, they didn't maybe equip me with some of the spiritual tools that I would have, could have benefited from. And I, I don't think I would have picked those up and taken those, but, you know, my family was fairly distant, right? Like, we didn't hug, we didn't say, I love you, and we solved problems on our own. So mm -hmm. as my problems started to mount, 
there was no way I was going to anybody for help, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, man, cover that up. Like in my yeah. family, we don't talk about problems. There was lots of mental health problems in my in my family, but none of them ever got talked about. And to this day, like when I when I mention things about you know, anxiety or depression, it's like he just said that. You know, it's mm -hmm. like he just mentioned these taboo words, and and um, and so I think that that made it harder to deal with. But uh, um, but through it all, like I'm not pinning any of this on my family, man. Knowing that I had their love and support through mm -hmm. it all, because I didn't know that I had that was huge and who knows man I might not have survived without that mm -hmm. uh, but I got to a point where I was I was pretty desperate and um, you know I had a, a girlfriend who's now my wife and I desperately wanted to keep her around I had a job which I enjoyed and I wanted to keep and my girlfriend didn't necessarily want me around anymore and my my coworkers didn't really want me working there anymore. <laughs> you can't see this because it's radio, but Todd is agreeing. Yeah, well, yeah. This, this sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. can relate. Okay. I, yeah, I, you've said a lot of stuff that's familiar, Trent. I don't mean to interrupt you. I was gesticulating because I can sympathize, and mm -hmm. I've known that about us for a long time. You know, we have we come from a similar sort of cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. there's lots of differences in, in addiction, and I think everybody's, totally. everybody's wired differently. Um, but you know, if you wanted to use some cliches, I mean, I think we're both a good example of selfish white privilege mm. without, without mm -hmm. knowing it. Mm -hmm. I, don't mean to put, I don't mean to put you in my box. No, hundred percent. But yeah, 100%. I had same kind of background, right? same kind of upbringing, yeah, same kind yeah. of family social structure, right? And you know, coping mechanisms and. You know, you end up where you end up, and things are a little overwhelming, and mm -hmm. the things that you rely upon or have relied upon in the fat in the past aren't working so well anymore. So you try a little bit harder, and then they don't they don't work anymore, even harder. And you try harder, and they don't work anymore. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's all hundred percent. Thank you for yeah. saying so many things on my behalf already. Well, and and so yeah. as you as you were getting to, you were alluding to Jackie. Mm -hmm. Is it okay if I say her name? I'll. Out loud? I knew who you were talking about too. <laughs> I, just, I just gave Dave a, a, a death a stare. Look, of course um, it's okay. Yes, she, uh, <laughs> she knows that she's my wife. Yeah, she is your wife. <laughs> yes. She was your girlfriend. After I said the name, I was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> yeah, tr yeah, Trent, you were talking about what you were what you were about to lose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was terrified of losing those things. Mm -hmm. Right? You know, I was pointing at these things that were manageable or that I thought were manageable as evidence that I was okay on the inside. If I lose those, then oh my God, I'm not okay. So I, uh, I started to get help. Mm. Didn't really want help, I just kind of wanted to buy some time. Mm. But I went away to treatment to buy some time. And uh, I thought when I was there that they would teach me how to um, control my drinking. I quickly learned that they were of the view that I wasn't going to be able to drink again and that control wasn't something that people like me did very well. And I listened because um, I did, I had a desire to get better. I also had a desire to continue drinking, but I had a desire to get better. Um, but you know, I hadn't gotten quite to the point of getting the gift of desperation yet. So, you know, I, I got out of treatment and 
and went through the motions. And, and there was some genuineness. I don't want to totally dismiss that and say it was black and white, like I was just going through the motions, just trying to get people off the back. There was, there was some genuineness in my desire, but I wasn't desperate yet. Mm. So I, uh, you know, I started going to, uh, going to meetings and, and, and meeting people in, in the fellowship. And I managed to meet some just incredible people who had a profound impact on my life. And I started, I started relapsing, and as I, st as I kept relapsing, I got more and more desperate. And there was a point in time where I was going sometimes to two meetings a day, yet I'd find myself drinking. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking, oh my God, am I one of these people who recovery just doesn't work for? And I remember being uh, in this men's group and being feeling incredibly hopeless. And, and afterwards, this guy came up to me, Peter, and gave me a hug, and he looked me in the eye and said, you're going to get this. He's like, I've been listening to you, and people like you who are as genuine and desperate in their desire right now, they get it. Mm -hmm. and, and I was so glad to hear that. And, and man, it... It uh, teared up a little bit. I'm kind of tearing up a little bit when I think about it because I just needed that so bad, right? Like I was beating myself up so bad and felt so much shame. And I needed him to say that I was going to be okay. And to me, that's something Freedom's Path does. It reaches out to people and tells them that they can be okay. No matter how low somebody is, no matter what they've been through, everybody's got the ability to be okay because we're all, in my opinion, God's creations. But... Uh, in my opinion, everybody is created absolutely perfectly on the inside, right? On the inside, there is somewhere deep within us a peace that, that is available to anybody. It's just clouded by the trauma of life and by the thoughts that people have been thinking. But Freedom's Path helps people to clear those aside so they can connect with the universe, connect mm -hmm. with God, connect with that inner peace, and it's there. And this guy helped me do that that day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, somewhere along the line, I, I managed to get desperate enough to take some of the action that was needed in order to have my desire to drink removed from me. And, and that desire to drink has, has gone away, and, and I'm so grateful for that. And, and in that process, I, I came to, uh, to meet David here and Todd. And I went to, you know, at the time it was called the Pathways to, uh, to Freedom Recovery mm -hmm. Workshop, um, which was absolutely transformative. Um, I believe I was coming off a relapse at the time, and, uh, and I'd, had, I'd had some, some sober time after that relapse. And, and, and I just needed a couple days of focusing on recovery and, and being in a, a room of people who showed love and tolerance and who listened to each other. And, and that was what I felt. It was a safe place. And it was a place where I could get extra help because I believe if extra help is, is sometimes needed. Like I'm part of a 12-step a recovery group and it is my lifeline. It's changed my life. It's, it's saved my life. It's my lifeline. But I've also had the benefit of getting outside help. Mm -hmm. And... And I think that's important for people because sometimes people can't access what they need in, 
in the rooms and they can't access um, you know, some specialized help that they need to deal with certain issues. And, and you and I started meeting one-on-one -on -one afterwards, David, and, and you were able to allow me to talk about issues that you know, I could talk, I, you, know, you can't necessarily talk about in a, in a room of four mm -hmm. people, right? And, and it might be and, inappropriate too. Yeah. And, and you need to know that yeah. the person you're talking to is trustworthy mm -hmm. and has the skills to deal with those issues. And, and so Freedom's Path gives that, right? It allows people to get you know, professional expertise that otherwise isn't available. And I'm, I'm just super, super grateful for that. Mm -hmm. um, I better turn it over to Todd here. I've been yapping a lot. <laughs> it's okay, man. I appreciate it. And I, Todd, I appreciate that there are so many similarities amongst all of us, right? Like, um, and I think, I think that is what binds us when we go into those rooms, right? Is that mm -hmm. those similarities? But of course, everyone's journey is a little different. So take it away, Todd. <clears throat> yeah, that's. Thank you, Trent. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank wow. you. Like, wow, thank you. I've... You started to get me choked up, so I'm glad you stopped talking. The more you started <laughs> almost crying, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> here it comes. <laughs> oh, it's, 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 part of the, it's part of the Magical Mystery Tour, right? Is, like, there yeah. are so many things that are similar in the stories that you have occasion to hear. And then, and then there's, you know, my mind is always trying to tell me how I'm different. Mm. Right? So, notwithstanding that there might be some differences as well. Of course. So, so yeah, Trent, thanks for everything that you that you said. Um, yeah, you know, I've always felt like a failure, and I'm not sure why. You know, I've had a lot of chance to go back and do self-examination after I learned the, um, some of the skills and tools that I learned in a 12-step in a program. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, still not sure why, but, you know, never good enough and, and never enough, and, um, you know, everything is relative, right? Like I, like Trent, you know, was, was, was well, pretty well off when I was a kid. I had two parents that loved me, and there was always food in the fridge, and I had a brother, and... See, the three of us have that in common, for sure. Yeah, yeah, right? So, you know, maybe there was trauma, but not, mm -hmm. not huge trauma. Nothing that, you know, that would explain, you know, enough to me why I've always felt a little different. Mm -hmm. Right? And then, you know, as, as I got... And, and dishonest. One of the ways that I dealt with that feeling was mm -hmm. to be dishonest and to try and tell people what they wanted to hear or to be what I thought they wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and that gets complicated and tiring after a while, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, on occasion, even though I was a pretty smart kid, I would run into, you know, things that were confusing to me like girls, mm -hmm. right? But alcohol kind of helped with that yeah. a lot when I found it. And, my boy just turned 16 today, he went for his learner's test yesterday, he's failed it for the second time. I was stealing the family vehicle and driving it at 14, mm -hmm. to the point where the kids at high school were asking me on Friday afternoon if I was bringing the band to the party tonight. Yeah. So, I can see you being that guy, for sure. Oh, thanks, Dave. Yeah. I, I think that's, <laughs> that's double-sided, right? I would have gotten a car with you, for sure. It's, it's flattering, right? It's, you know, because I represented as a responsible and capable, and, you know, I had applicable skills, right? Yeah. You bet. And completely dangerous and, mm -hmm. and out of control and yeah. scary to think what I got away with and the lives that could have been affected by my mm -hmm. stupid, stupid, stupid behavior. So, yeah, I, uh, I went through the motions for a long, long time, um, you know, as a kid and, and high school. And uh, I was always a last chance guy, right? Like I would just show up and, 
and play the game until it really counted. And if it really counted and was on the line, then I'd, then I'd produce, but not until then. So, you know, I, I could have been a better academic student. I could have been a better athlete. I never applied myself. In any event, um, and dishonesty. Dishonesty was a huge thing. So law school was really the only career choice. Yeah. You know, that was, <laughs> that, that was pretty obvious. Dude, if you didn't understand that, that was a little bit of a lawyer joke. Self-loathing lawyer joke. Wow, hiding in plain sight. <laughs> I love it. Right? I love it, man. Your sense of humor just cracks me up. Dude. Oh, David. Thank you. This is, yeah, it's a bit of a love fest here. Oh, for, for sure. For is. those listening at home, we've known each other for years, yeah. the three of us. It's a super love fest. I love it. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of my dad so much. So that's okay, buddy. I, you know, I went out and, and did what people expected of me. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I found a really nice girl who was patient and put up with me and laughed at my jokes. And in any event, we started having kids and um, I, you know, started to get really, really anxious and really, really stressed about stuff that was beyond my control. And my coping me mechanism was alcohol, mm -hmm. right? And then um, I had a little bit of help on the way, and I like to add this when I tell my story because, you know, it, it, it did happen to me and it can happen to you, and I lied to myself and other people about it for years. Mm. I had a back injury in 2001, and I needed to keep my job. So, you know, bed rest and going, um, taking three months off wasn't really an option, so I got medicated. My doctor was more than happy to prescribe me opioids, and I took them for six months. Mm -hmm. And I kind of cheated the healthcare system in terms of being able to get access to a back surgeon mm -hmm. who, you know, told me what his surgical rotation was and when I should show up in the emergency room in order to get a procedure done. And that's what happened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my socioeconomic status and my job allowed me to circumvent the system, get ahead of people. Mm -hmm. And it got me off the opioids, which was great, and it fixed my back. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I had gotten to the point with the, those drugs that I was mixing them with alcohol for further effect. And those habits didn't stop. So I didn't have access to the Percocet anymore, but I continued to drink. And that was the real start of my drinking career. I was a binge drinker until then, definitely an alcoholic. I'm not trying to short sell that at all, right? Like my, my favorite thing, and I can remember where the liquor stores used to be, right? Um, just off of 33rd. Help me out here, Trent. End of the road Tropicana sits on right now. There was a liquor store on the strip mall just off of 20th, 21, 22nd. It was an Alberta, Alberta government liquor store. Yeah, there mm. was. The LGP, the, not LGBTQ. Um. High, <laughs> ALCB. 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 High, high school used to get out at 1.30 on a Friday. So I'd be at the ALGC at 2, yeah. right? And, and that was part of the deal because if you were there at 2 o'clock on a Friday, they'd be less likely to card you. Mm. In any event, you know, it was, it, drinking was a weekly thing from high school and, and, uh, and, and, and binge drinking, you know, huge. And the weekend just got longer and longer. And then after, after the, uh, the, 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 the period of medication, drinking was almost constant. And it, you know, the way I lied to myself was just crazy. I used it as a prop for my job. I can remember having client meetings when I was just, you know, not at all lucid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being told by these clients who were former RCMP officers that the bottle in my pocket was worth $20 a pill. If I wanted to make some money, I should be down on 8th Avenue. You know, they thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. um, so, in any event, um, I got to a point where I was going to lose some stuff, too. I was told by my wife that I couldn't live at home anymore. And um, 
I had just started a new job six months ago, and nobody has a problem with the alcoholic until they know they're an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. So when Rachel was, was kind enough and loving enough to come to me and say what she said, which was that I couldn't live there anymore, I mean, that, that really hit, right? Because <clears throat> I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. Like I told you guys earlier, right? Like mm -hmm. I always feel like I'm a failure. I'm trying to hit some mark that some person I don't even know about has set for me, right? Yeah. But that was huge. At that point in time, I realized what I put value on. So uh, I tried honesty because I was working with a guy who I knew was a member of a 12-step program, and he kept telling me how good it was in his life. So he must have seen something similar in me. In any event, uh, we can smell our own deep. Yeah, thanks, bud. <laughs> sure can. It's oh, yeah. I could, af after the podcast, I got a story about that. I got a new friend. It's amazing how oh, that excellent radar just went ding right on. Yeah. Anyway, he told me to try honesty, and mm -hmm. I thought, well, this isn't great. Okay, when all else <laughs> fails, right? Like I checked all the logical. Formulas mm -hmm. and the Sherlock Holmes stories and everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're down to the last straw, so why not? And uh, I went honest with everybody, which which was a bit of a mistake. I learned, you know, through the twelve step program and and some some rules and some and some steps and some guidance from people like you, Dave, mm -hmm. that timing is important. So you know, I probably like all things in life. I want it fixed now. And that was a big issue for me when I got to the program because I couldn't figure out for a long time why I wasn't getting fixed. Um, and I relapsed for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And and Trent, I think you're the only guy I've ever told. Like I was, I would still drink every now and then, even after we set up this this foundation. You mm -hmm. guys, I drank right up until 2017, and then I told you this mm -hmm. last last guy I told. And and for whatever reason, I needed to step away from an organized 12-step program in order to get better. But mm -hmm. it, I wouldn't recommend that for everybody, but that's that's what I needed. And I had God drop a sponsor into my workplace, into my five-person workplace. It was really, really, really interesting. I looked at this gentleman from 12 different angles for about 30 days, and like Dave just said, we can smell our own. And one day in the kitchen, I said, Alan, Alan, just so I get that name on the record, <laughs> I said, do you go to the same meetings I do? And he looked at me at the side of his face, and he said, I don't know, Todd. Is Bill there? <laughs> <laughs> so, at that point, you're like, if it goes well. At that point in time, I, I'm sure I looked up and said, and said, thank you. Uh, but in any event, uh, I've still got my Alan, and we still spend at least eight hours a day. And for those of you that don't have a fellow alcoholic work wife in your life that you can relate to, minute by minute, hour by hour, go get one. It's the mm. best thing that ever happened to me, and I am a lucky son of a bitch. Wow. Yeah, super lucky. But back to the story. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I go to the meetings, and that's where I found hope. Thank God. You know, the honesty used too much of it too quickly with my professional organization, mm -hmm. with some other people in my life, and um, it didn't work right. You know, so um, I have lost some things, and that's okay. I, but, I, I, you know, I've gained more mm -hmm. in my journey, right? Like, I, you know, I don't have my license to practice anymore, but I think I'm a much more effective husband and a father. Mm -hmm. It's for other people to decide, and and that's where the value is, right? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm I'm still able to earn a living and and provide for my family, and that's what's important. Mm -hmm. And the meetings were great, you know. We have lost guys. There's we, there's people that aren't with us anymore. Mm -hmm. um, 
people that were so important, Jerry. You mentioned Peter. Peter's still with us. There's another one. There's Peter. I didn't know that Peter was in my life. Like Peter's like that, that story with God, right? Like two, you know, one set of footprints in the snow. Peter's on my goddamn back the whole time. <laughs> I just didn't. I just didn't know that. Or maybe you're on his back. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I said what I said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, any, in any, in any event, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you know what I mean. I I've been I've been really lucky with people that have identified me as somebody that is worthwhile paying attention to, and that's great. Because, you know, in the same fashion, I think that, you know, and this sounds arrogant, but I've been able to do that with, with other people as well. I mean, I've met people in the program, unfortunately, that I've, I've, I haven't given much credence to, you know, and, 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 and I think that's because, you know, they're either there for the wrong reasons or they're not, they're not actually applying, you know, what's around them. Mm-hmm. When I stepped away from the program, I kept it in my heart, mm-hmm. and, and I still practice it every day. It was just really difficult for me to 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 spend time with people that weren't as necessarily as uh, as committed or as capable. And I think as capable is probably a more fair statement because I mentioned earlier white privilege, and this is this mm-hmm. is something that I I still carry. I am so goddamn lucky, and I have the ability to you know I had the ability to get an education that allows me the knowledge to fill out paperwork. Mm-hmm. So that I can help, you know, establish a society mm-hmm. that can establish, you know, a, a means upon which other people can can be be helped. And like Trent says, you know, I need to do this. I need to do stuff like this. And this is what I've learned in the program. Mm-hmm. It's one of the gifts that it's given me because, you know, that's that's how I stay sane. It keeps me from thinking about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it keeps me from from worrying too much about about achievement and goal and people pleasing and and all the rest of it. Right? Like I. I'm able to pass that along to my kids now, not in the sense of the, you know, the addiction context, but when they're having an emotionally tough time, I tell them to stop and do something nice for somebody else because mm-hmm. it gets you out of yourself. Yeah. So there's still so much for me to learn. And um, thankfully, I didn't, you know, I, I, how did I learn to stop drinking? I don't think I learned to stop drinking. I think I put in enough time mm-hmm. and I heard enough advice and I thought about it enough and I practiced enough controlled drinking. I wouldn't recommend that, but I got, I, it's the truth, I did, I tried. I tried to, to see if I could do it, and I couldn't. It was worse every time. My drinking, the drinking that I did after I started applying 12-step programs was way worse than the drinking that I did beforehand, mm-hmm. way worse. And the consequences were way worse. And notwithstanding, I still did it, I still did it, I still did it, um, but Within the confines of the direction that specifically you were giving me, I tinkered enough with what it was that I was dealing with all day, and I got to the point where once upon a time, I didn't have to drink. Mm-hmm. What a gift. What mm-hmm. a serious gift. However a person gets there, brother. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So, so I, had the, I was fortunate enough to have the time. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to have the resources to give me the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have stopped at a point where I wasn't so far down the path that you know it didn't it didn't take um, it didn't take losing everything in order to realize you know where that path ended mm-hmm. so you know by the and time you, 2016 he, rolled around I was ready to help people I was almost almost prepared enough to do it in 2016 and by the time we finished getting all the paperwork done in 2017 and things were real I was not drinking anymore. Mm-hmm. You're ready. Well, maybe 
you guys calling me to Tim Hortons and telling me that you know there was something useful for me to do was a big part of that. I don't know. Well, right? that's I'm one of the things. Sure, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think about all the time is that how this, like, how someone gets sober and stays sober. This is up to each person, right? Like, and we we are in a, a position because of how we created this that we get to encourage all of those different ways, right? That mm-hmm. people get well, whatever that looks like, and that. Because we, I took that straight from the 12-step fellowship where we met was the idea that this is about principles. This is not about like my personality. This means we're doing this so that we could be there for people. That's why we're doing this, right? Like, and um, being having all the different avenues and mentalities involved was necessary, right? So that, that it wasn't all just me. Because I, I knew it couldn't be just me. Like, it couldn't be. I couldn't do it. There's no way, right? Like, um, nor did I want it to be. Because one of the things that being a part of the 12-step fellowship has given me, and, and sometimes those fellowships can be downright ugly. So, and I talk about that all the time on here as well, because it's true. Some of them, sometimes things can get ugly. And it's not for everybody. It doesn't have to be, right? Like, um, the, the idea that it gives people enough to get started in whatever direction that's great. Or if someone finishes there, that's great, right? Like, that is another, I think, one of the wonderful things about our society, um, and now charity, now that it's been with charity for a few years, is that we can do that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you mentioned it when you were talking, Trent, like, we don't, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, I have that couch where Darcy is sitting, I can tell you in in the five years that we've been here, almost six now, well, I guess it'll be six in the in the summer, six years, yeah, because it'll be anyway. In the six years, that couch where Darcy is sitting has seen so many different types of humans that, like, honestly, when we do our stats at the and stuff like that, it's like I'm I'm blown away by all the humans that we see, right, and that we're able to be here for them when they figure out what it is they want to do, right, like. Because you guys know as well as I do. If I say, you should go to 12-step fellowship, and I say it every time, I don't say anything else, but that person's been to 12-step fellowship and their encounters have always been negative. Because unfortunately, some people have had negative encounters and it's been more than one. That's okay. That doesn't mean everybody in those fellowships is like those people, right? It's like any any sort of walk of life, man. Any, any demographic you go into, there are dicks, <laughs> right? There are dicks. And like, I was just talking to one of the guys that I work with today about that specifically. About, because he, <laughs> he was mentioning how many dicks there can be in the rooms. And I was like, I know, but you know what? We don't go to the rooms worrying about that. I go to the room worrying about, am I gonna be sober? Am I being of use to others? It doesn't matter that there's there's dicks everywhere we go, right? Um, and it could be, and I'm just using that word, but it doesn't have to be specifically that. It could be anything in your mind when someone's being like too much, <laughs> right? Acting too much. It happens everywhere. Well, it it does, and you know, like Trent said, I have also benefited from your Pathways to Freedom, mm. then called seminar, right? And you know, I don't remember the actual takeaway at the time, but. I learned a lot from you. 
you were the first guy that, that taught me about how ego and you know the self comes into this mm-hmm. and not only that but your approach like you're open-minded you're outgoing you're personable there's a charisma about you and you know i don't mean to blow you up too much here but um wow. you know you were a breath I'm of fatting myself even even you know three four five years into going to meetings and you know trying to recover um you know you're still a fresh, fresh air in terms of what was available you know in terms mm-hmm. of the you know the resources or the people to speak to i didn't go to rehab mm-hmm. um you know maybe i should have i don't know i don't know either and well sure but but um but you didn't you didn't seem to play any favorites as far as I was concerned. So, you know, my opinion doesn't, doesn't count for much. But from what I saw that you were able to offer, um, this platform seems like, you know, the natural organic growth of that, mm-hmm. right? I'm really honored to have been a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're only, I think, at the beginning of the beginning. Yeah. Um, but, and, and a long way to go, and you've come a long way. But um, I still like to think that, you know, what, you offer and what this platform provides to people, like you just said, is 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 way more open-minded and way more open-hearted than the traditional offerings that are out there. There's no there's no judgment, right? That's a good news. It's it's huge. People need hope, like Trent said. People people don't need to be judged. Everybody is where they are, and like I, I I I do a good enough job of judging myself, and I'm imagining most people do too. So if you have got to a place where you have, have prepared to ask somebody else for help, the last thing that you need is to be told that you're not this enough, that enough, uh, you haven't lost enough, you're not hungry enough, you make too much money, you're the wrong color, I don't care what it is. Yeah. You know, so, so if that pipe can stay open and we can continue mm-hmm. to keep it open and not put any filter on there, I think that's hugely important. And uh, something I love about Freedom's Path is that it fits with whatever Whatever anybody is doing to, you know, advance their recovery from mm-hmm. addictions, alcohol, trauma, grief, mm-hmm. this fits with that, right? We're not saying you have to be a member of a 12-step program, you have to be a member of Smart Recovery, you have to be, yeah. you know, X or Y, mm-hmm. we're, we're willing to work with you. And, and you know, one of my favorite sayings that for some reason has been on my mind a lot lately, and I've been kind of studying it and, and really thinking on it, is just love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't say love thy neighbor as thyself if they're on the same path as you. <laughs> or, and it doesn't, even say, it doesn't even say love thy neighbor as thyself mm-hmm. if they're not super annoying. <laughs> Actually, there's they parts are. that say the more annoying, the more you should love. That's right. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, if they're <laughs> super annoying, then go dump your garbage on their lawn, right? But, uh, you know, it's, it's love that. And what a tall Right, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I've been noodling on is just the magnitude of that. Right, love thy neighbor as thyself. Try to love mm-hmm. every human being, no matter what. Right, and mm-hmm. if you see things in, in them that you don't like, or for me, if I see something in somebody that I don't like or that I disagree with, that's just a reminder that I need to love them no matter what, because deep in their core, they're the same as me. Right, and and I like to see similarities in people, and so that means that any human being out there who needs help is the same human being as me at their core. So why would we ever turn them away? Yeah. Right? And we wouldn't. We wouldn't. That's we don't. Cool, that's the yeah. cool shit about it is we won't. We won't turn you away. And like, thank God that we can't record like conversations in here, like outside the podcast. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Some of the stories that this room has heard. Mm. Uh, unbelievable. Um, 
because of how we put it together. Yeah. And it's it's from, and this is what I talk about with you guys when you're not around all the time, and if you don't listen to the podcast, you won't know this, but like I think, the like you said, be, love your neighbor like yourself. What I've always got from you guys specifically is love, right? Like that, that kind of love that my dad talked about all the time, right? And I know you guys probably both heard my dad nauseatingly talk about like what this whole shit was all about, love. I took it literally, and that's exactly what I believe we put into this, was just love, right? Because mm-hmm. even when we've had like maybe tricky times where we're not sure what's going to happen, I just kept loving people. Mm-hmm. And something, and you guys kept doing what you did, and you know, and also I gotta thank you guys for um, after Teresa passing, and us being able to get the grant out, the application out. I don't know how much we can talk about that like in public, but I'm just gonna simply say thank you guys like for everything. But that, um, I knew we could do it. I just knew it would also be hard because <laughs> we're, because we're so busy, like the three of us together. I mean. I don't know how we did it when I think about it because we're just so freaking busy. <laughs> well, I can tell you how my part worked. I just mm-hmm. clicked send. Todd did everything else. <laughs> so thank you, Todd. No. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> well, you guys are very welcome, right? And 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 I think everybody can contribute to. I feel know. like that's what I did too. So maybe Todd had way more work. Well, like that pap- like the paperwork is my forte, right? It's mm. the easy thing, right? For me, mm-hmm. I cannot imagine what it is like to be emotionally empathic and sympathetic to person after person after person after person after person the way that Dave has to put himself out there on a 24-7, 365 basis because it's a little bit of him every time that he leaves behind with these people that he's helping. And there's a lot of Dave to go around. Thank God. Thank God there's a lot of Dave to go around. Right now I'm doing belly dance. You know, but in in a per so in a perfect world we'd be able to reproduce you again and again and again. Um, but um, there is a culture, I think, that this mm-hmm. this this small, closely held organization has. Yeah, that that so far has filed all its paperwork as required, <laughs> and maintained its and shall continue to do yep, so. Maintained its good existence, mm-hmm. and uh, it, so that we're able to continue to help people. And yeah, I, I I'm quite confident that we'll continue to grow, and that that culture will remain because it's because it's just so organic, and it's it it derives so completely off of operations. Like like you know, for the people that don't know, the organization is Dave. It's no. Dave, it's Dave and his good works. There's a yeah. platform there that Trent and I help support. And there are other people involved as well. I don't mean to shortchange any of them, especially people with such technically strong skills as Darcy. Um, however, at this point in time, we, we really do live and die by, by Dave, your ability and your resources. Mm-hmm. So I know I can't always speak for Trent, but I, I, I will in this regard. You know, he, like me, is concerned about making sure that you know, it doesn't always continue to be you and your knowledge and your skills, which are exemplary. You know, it would be great if we could put you in a position of more mentorship to people, not to take you away from the good work that you do on a constant basis, but we need to, we need to find a way to get, you know, your style. I don't know how to put it. <clears throat> your, we, need, we need to grow new hearts the same way that they grow, you know, non, non, yeah. non-beef beef. Yeah. And dishes, <laughs> and and get them in, get them into other people. Yeah. And and you mentioned your dad. What a chain in this world, right? So you know you're 
do part of what you do and and pay it forward and you are who you are because of the influences that you've had and mm -hmm. and you know I was lucky enough to know your dad for a while and he was a great great man Thank I mean it, I don't want to tear up here <clears throat> I'm in the middle of a chain I still got my old man for a few more years and we have a much better relationship than we used to right. you know like trans family we don't talk about much things are unsaid sometimes but there's a lot of unsaid things that have been agreed and understood between us in the last few years, and it's a lot better. I'm taking a different approach with my boy, who's just turning 16 today. I'll say that again. I'm a really proud dad. Happy and that's birthday, dude. Huge part of my recovery is, mm -hmm. is my ability to spend time and to focus and to love these kids and their mom, mm -hmm. and who I'm still living in the same house with. She let me back in, by the way, for the yeah. listeners at home. And, and so, like, honestly, and for the listeners, like, this is recovery, right? Yeah, like, so I've learned recovery. I've learned a thing or two yeah. from you, Trent, other people, and I try and pay it forward, you know, every day with yeah. with my boy, so that and and my girls as well. I don't want to shortchange them, but you know, it just happens to be your boy's birthday today. So. Exactly. So hopefully they are growing up in a home that they feel is more open, mm -hmm. more emotionally supportive, more full of love, more full of attention. Mm -hmm. Um, and more full of genuine interest in, in terms of how they're feeling, what they're doing, and, 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 and tools to cope with all of that. So, you know, it's, it's we got we to gotta, we gotta make more of this, Dave. This, this, we really do have to make more of this, you know, and heal the goddamn world, sir. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I mean, that's our, our, we're doing our part the best we can. Well, and I just, I, I love the fact that I think the, the love that we talk about, that love is in both of you, right? Like, and in your in your families, like it's it's in how you walk the earth every day, and that's how we find other people who feel the same way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, and I think the longer we stick around, the more likely we are to come across more people who don't necessarily think exactly like I do, but have uh, the ability to just love, right? Because mm -hmm. I know that I don't do a perfect job of that shit. Um, but I do understand exactly what you mean. That there's a, a gen, and I know for me, I can only speak for myself. I know that I genuinely love people. It yeah. genuinely hurts when they hurt. Like it, I can only speak for myself, right? Uh, and I hope, and I know that we will find others who feel that way, right? And that they can manage it, and it doesn't kill them. But part of what doesn't kill me is because you two guys and the other board members take on stuff that I don't have to worry about all the time. And that is pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, it's really awesome because it allows me to be more loving and less afraid. Well, that, that's great. I just want to underline that, you know, there's a strong degree of self-interest in why I do what I do because it makes me feel like I'm giving something back and it helps me think about other people. And whenever I am typing on behalf of the society, I am not thinking about myself. Why not? Mm. Yeah. Excellent. Powerful, eh? Yeah. Thinking about others and helping others is, is powerful. And, you know, there's a lot of suffering in the world and, and despair, but, you know, there's more awareness all the time about, about addiction and about mental health, and, mm -hmm. and that's hugely encouraging, right? And on one hand, I can say, oh, well, the addiction problems are getting way worse, the mental health problems are getting way worse, and they probably are, but... A big part out too is that the awareness is getting a whole mm -hmm. lot better. So 
but choose to focus on the awareness getting better and what can we do to be helpful in that regard and organizations like Freedom's Path are, are doing their part, which is, uh, which is great and, and you know, it ties into love, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's our purpose in life is yeah. to be loving and, and I forget that so many times. I think my yeah. purpose is to get, you know, one more little bit of work done, get one more mm-hmm. email sent out. No, my purpose is to be loving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and you could do all the what emails I, and be loving. I could do them. I could, I could yeah. do the emails. That's true. That's true. But, you know, I've right. got to remember to be loving. Mm-hmm. And, and, and your dad was so powerful in, in that regard, right? And, and the one thing I love about his message is that is that he always reminded me that God is love. And so for me, when I work on my spiritual path, which is just so important to me, you know, I've had lots of times where I've gone in different directions on my on my spiritual path. And the one thing that's kind of always brought me back and kept me centered is the reminder from him, his his voice saying, God is love. Mm-hmm. And and that's the first thing I think about when I think about your dad, because he always echoed that message, God is love. And so if ever I'm, you know, on a spiritual path that's not a, not centered around love, I'm on the wrong path. <laughs> and I better get off of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's um that's something else, man. Totally. Yeah. But when we're love centered, we're not we're not gonna give in to fear, right? And that's like mm. one of those things. And you mentioned it like organizations like ours and there's so many solid organizations, especially in Calgary, like, I mean, all across the planet, obviously, but Calgary has a lot of good, solid, socially conscious, like, people at work, and, and part of what I love about how we've done this is, this is, like, it's possible for anybody, right, like, it's possible for people to, to do this, you don't, you know, you don't need to work for some, somewhere else in particular, you could do your own thing. It, and the fact that it, it's not done out of love, chances are it's going to be okay. Whatever mm. comes of it, right? Like, and because I know that whatever comes of this for us, for freedom's path, I know that if we just operate out of love, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, right? Because that's how we treat people, and it's been fine so far, right? Like, there's uh, people that just that well, like one of our some of our clients bought us the coffee maker over there, so. And I was thinking about, like, in my head, I was talking to Darcy and wanted to get a coffee maker, just a single cup, and all of a sudden, they came in, they gave us the coffee maker, because I was talking about the podcast, and they were like, oh, you should really have a coffee maker. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get around to it. Next thing you know, they brought in a coffee maker. And, of course, in their lives, they're doing incredible stuff for other people, right? Because when we meet with people, when I meet with people, that's where I always take them, is... Well, Dave, how does life get better? Well, do for others. Mm-hmm. Well, how does that make my life better? You'll see. <laughs> like Todd said, you'll see, mm-hmm. right? You'll oh. see how much better and fuller your life can be if you just do for others. And look at how many people we can impact when we do that, mm-hmm. right? You helping Todd and I so that we can help our kids so that they can help mm-hmm. other people. And, and you know, Todd's, Todd's co-worker there helping him, mm-hmm. right? And... And I mean, it just creates this chain reaction of people helping people, which is pretty incredible. And, and you know, just to touch on the parenting thing, like I, I don't, you know, I've always loved hearing Todd talk about his kids because it reminds me how much I love my kids because I can just see it in, in Todd's face. I can hear it in his voice when he talks about them. And, 
and man, I love, I love my kids and I love being a dad and, and I'm so grateful to be sober to do it and to be present in doing it, right? And, and the program, the spiritual program and the help I've gotten from so many people has allowed me to, to find the ability to be present. You know, even when life gets busy, I can still often be present with my kids. Not all the time, <laughs> but often be present with the kids and, and appreciative because you know, we were, I was talking a little bit earlier about circumstances. I could have, I've got amazing circumstances. I've got amazing kids. I've got an amazing life. I've got so many gifts in my life. But I can get caught up in my head and totally ignore all those gifts and just focus on those problems. And, and my spiritual program is given the ability to not take things for granted and, and be present and enjoy being a dad because it's such a gift. And the impact I have on my kids' lives is huge. And sometimes I forget that, but it's huge. And just when I, when I, simple things like telling them I love them and hugging them is something I can't do enough of. And I often, my favorite thing to tell my kids is, do you know that there's nothing you could possibly do that will make you, make me love you less? Mm. And I tell them that all the time. They're just like, I know dad. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I tell them that all the time. For some reason, that's, I feel like that's the one thing I have to tell my kids mm -hmm. is that there's nothing they can ever do that will make me love them less, right? Um, I got more time for parenting and for loving because I spend less time drinking hmm. and lying to people and putting all my time and effort and energy into whatever it was that I was doing to make them think or feel or believe something different. Hmm. So that's, that's a huge gift. Totally. So thank, thank you, Dave and Trent and Darcy. Well, let me tell you, as a, as a kid who grew up with a dad who, when he grew up, was never told that he was loved, mm. but he told us every day. Thank God. He would go out of his way to make sure that we knew he loved us, right? And so I can tell you guys that when you do that to your kids, it makes a huge fucking difference. So... Because I remember that about my dad. Mm. And that's, that's fantastic, right? So yeah. logically speaking, if we're doing it, we take it beyond the family, right? Yeah. Take it to the, you know, the, the immediate next circle. Do the same thing, do the same mm -hmm. thing, do the same thing, right? Yeah. It's the, the pebble in the pond, it's the ripples. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's one of the things that I've learned too, because my ripple used to be me. Mm -hmm. Me. Mm. <laughs> me too. I just got that like... Oh, what a bad, bad ripple I was. <laughs> well, it was just me. <laughs> yeah, as, as much as I tried to deny that anything mm -hmm. else mattered or that other people were real, it, it really is the case that there's an interconnectedness, right? So mm -hmm. inject the love into our particular pipes, whatever the other pipes are full of, and then, you know, our pipes will connect to other pipes, and then sooner or later our pipes will overrun their pipes because we'll just be overloading the system with love. Mm -hmm. Everyone's an addict. True or false? I would say potentially false. Okay. Yeah. All right. Only because there's so many varieties of humans, I, I believe there's probably humans that aren't. All right. That probably have some way to get through you know, doing it. A broader, <laughs> that's weird. A broader, I know it's weird, but a bunch of weirdos. And it's impossible for me to consider myself in that regard. <laughs> I just assume there has to be some. All right. Does everybody need something? I would think so. Okay, so, yeah. all right. So, would you agree with that? Is that a fair question? Whether that something is love or connection. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? Okay, mm -hmm. everybody needs I believe that. Because Trent mentioned yeah. connection, and I think, like, when we talked about, when we talk about things that we used to do that were connection-breaking, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Versus connection-building, 
that's, the, that's what gets in the way today of the connection is when I do other things or let my brain go down a pathway right. and then I feel less connected. And it's interesting. I don't know if you guys have like sat and like watched your brain do this, but actually to, to sit and just be like, wait a minute, that's not what I want. And then mm. you don't have to go back down the loop, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was possible, man. But some of those things are just like, I don't have to think that. If I don't think that, I probably won't feel shitty. I'll not think that then. <laughs> Amazing what awareness of thoughts does. Hey? Right? And just the awareness you know? that they're just thoughts. There. They're just thoughts. They're just like random stuff that my brain's cooking up in the back and spitting out, right? Like, And meditation is really... We do a meditation group, by the way, mm-hmm. Freedom's Path, every week, Thursday night, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., in case you're out there and you haven't heard. See my ugly mug on the videos every week. Um, but we do that, and you know what? It just helps, man. It's like that creating that pause. Mm-hmm. Like pause mm-hmm. between thought and action to be able to recognize that a lot of the thoughts that I have, anyway, are just, like, ludicrous. <laughs> like, absolutely ludicrous. And disconnected from anything reasonable. Yeah. It's a game changer. I mean, meditation right? for me is a game changer. Yeah. And I've been, lately I've been trying to up my meditation. Well, I don't treat it as a game. <laughs> it seems to me it's not a game. I'm not going to call it a game. Increase my meditation practice because mm-hmm. I truly believe it's a, a game changer. And I've been a, a dabbler for a really long time, but I've lately been um, getting more serious about it and making it a bigger part of my life practice. And Man, I, um, I the benefits have been huge. Huge! Just the awareness of how my brain works is is absolutely incredible. And the one analogy when you're talking about, you know, being able to observe your thoughts, the analogy I like is being like the sky, right? And there may be clouds, there may be storms, mm-hmm. and those are my thoughts. But behind it, there's just clear blue sky that never changes and is always perfect. And and so to me, that's my mind, and I can always go back into that mind. And just be aware of the thoughts, but those thoughts aren't me, right? I love it, and I love the med- I love practice because that's all it is is practice, right? We just keep practicing. Mm-hmm. Every time we get an opportunity, we practice. We can practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that, man. And like uh, literally Thursday nights, John starts off with, "You are like a mountain, and your thoughts are like the sky, right?" Mm-hmm. And the thought, or so your mind's like the sky and the thoughts of the clouds and the storms and everything else. But no matter what, the mountain is still, right? And that's how we learn to just sit still. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know about you guys, but have you, historically, I have not been able to sit still if my brain starts going wacky. Now I can. Like, I can just simply sit. And I don't have to get up. Because what I learned was getting up and answering that fucking fidgety feeling leads to more fidgeting. It doesn't calm the feeling, right? So instead of, like, learning that I, like, to be the mountain instead of the, you know what I mean? It's just been profound. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then once I start talking about meditation, I don't know how to talk about it. Like, it's just, it's profound. Well, Practice. for me, anyways, it's something I've got to experience. I can yeah. listen to somebody talk about it all day long, mm-hmm. but I've got to actually experience it. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know what it's like, and I'm sure you do, Todd, do you ever meditate or... Uh, well, like Trent said, I, I've dabbled for a little while mm-hmm. and I tried. I've got a cat and I got a routine with the cat. So I do like 10 or 15 minutes in the morning and 10 or 15 minutes at night with the cat. But Excellent. Cool. No, no, it's because I didn't think the cat was getting enough attention. I was, I was 
wasn't was being selfish. I wasn't paying enough attention to the cat. Yeah, but do you so, see how that even do Yes, I, I do, right? So my selfish mm -hmm. tendencies, again, are working in my favor. Yeah. Spend 15 minutes in the morning with the cat, saying hi to the cat, brushing the cat. Cats mm -hmm. are animals like little Zen machines. Oh, yeah. Right? Unconditional yeah. love. You have my right, attention as soon as you said cat. Right there <laughs> with your houseplants, by the way, that are paying attention to what you're doing yeah. and your behavior. And, and these are things that I really only believed in after I was had an open mind and an open heart enough to do so with the program and everything else. I didn't even believe in back injuries before I had one. Oof. Tell me that someone has a drinking problem? Way back when? Oh, right. Yeah. No, I didn't believe in drinking problems either. So, yeah, I, I firmly believe that you can talk to your animals. I firmly believe that your houseplants can respond to you. And I, it's another example of the interconnectedness, right? So, yeah, yeah. I have forced meditation. Perfect. But I'm talking to the cat the whole time. That's okay. Okay. I think it's okay. Absolutely. I think, dude, that, that could be God, man. I'm pretty sure the cat understands what I'm saying. And I'm pretty sure that, that I, you know, the cat yeah. understands. It, like, it's two ways. And cats God's already. So, starting off okay. with, you know what I mean? C-A-T-G-O-D. Dude, they're, they're right there. When you have a cat, you're like, he thinks he's God. I, son of a gun. I totally get what you mean about the, the being still enough to be present, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, I usually end up thinking that there's something that I'm forgetting. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I have that tendency, too. Yeah, and so being able to breathe through that, like when that excitement starts, right? That yeah. anxiety starts. That's changed. It's been a game changer as well for me, too. And I've been moving all my life. I am an extremely fidgety person. I fidget in my sleep. <laughs> That's how fidgety I am. And the, uh, there's something about forcing myself to sit still. And maybe even forcing may not be the word that I want to use, but not succumbing to the, to the desire to move mm -hmm. is um, really powerful for somebody like me who's been fidgeting yeah. all their life. Yeah. <laughs> well, fidgeting all your life. Uh, answering the fucking crazies all my life. Mm -hmm. Like every time I turn around, it's like, okay, I will do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no thanks. Yep. <laughs> now, right now we're able to, and I don't know about Todd, but same same thing. Like yeah. you know, like uh, alcohol would put me on. The, that was one of the reasons why I drank when mm -hmm. I drank. Everybody would go to bed at nine or thirty or ten o'clock at night, and I would need, I would want to sit still. Mm -hmm. So alcohol would help me sit still. Yeah. But you know what, like peaceful meditation or, or centered mindfulness or self-awareness or, or being in the moment, that's a lot more productive. It's better. Mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't pay a price. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're getting a benefit, right? Like I, I had no idea. My, my account was so overdrawn, it wasn't even funny. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the way to look at it. It took me years and years and years and years and years to pay off the cost of my drinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I see that. I think it does. It takes as long as it takes. It takes it takes as long as it takes, seriously, yeah. right? But without services and platforms like this one, I mean, unfortunately, it takes longer or, or, or even worse, people die mm -hmm. because they don't get to the point where they realize that they're not alone or someone cares or there is hope. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this way, right? And it's hard for me to remember, you know, having to drink. Yeah. It really is hard for me to remember that feeling, and I'm so grateful for it. Wow. So grateful. Dude, saying that, just like, yeah, I can't remember that. You remember the, I can't even remember the obsession to no. do it. Like, no. I, I, can you even remember what it was like in between? Like, I can't. No. How crazy I was in between drinks, like in between days of drinking. Fuck, everything I did was about drinking and 
getting back to that next moment. Like now, no wonder people think it's boring and sobriety, dude. Yeah, I got to water. We're not. I got to water the plants, not drink. Yeah. Yeah. It was a full-time job trying to cover up my lies. Right? <laughs> like, dude, no wonder we, some of us sober up and are like, that's really boring. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have that problem because my life has been anything but boring since sobering up. But I know some people think, well, it's boring. And I'm like, no, I look at those times other people think they're boring. And I just think, that's calm. Mm-hmm. That is something that I've never experienced. So now, as time goes on in sobriety, it's like, ooh, I like that. Like, let's just be calm. There's no need to do stuff all the time. Yeah. And I, man, I certainly don't find sobriety boring in any way, shape, Mm. or form. I mean, what is more fascinating than living a sober life, right? Mm. I mean, we have the ability to get to know ourselves is is limitless. Mm. Um, Ability to just enjoy life. I mean, there's hanging out with the kids, being present with them, being Mm. present with people in the in the program in the fellowship there's just so much to do now that i'm sober right <laughs> yeah it's great yeah we're not not feeling like a fraud or actually mm-hmm. feeling like a genuine person because you're not constantly being dishonest with the people within your life and all of a sudden you realize you don't have this anxiety anymore waiting for them to catch you in a lie because you haven't lied in a while mm-hmm. and you're like hey this is kind of nice mm-hmm. i right. just <laughs> maybe i shouldn't lie anymore yeah, that was such a mm-hmm. when I came into well, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> Seriously, but, but that was if you the ask me, are you Dave? I'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. Yeah. That's not me, man. <laughs> My name is Dove. Dove. That's right. It's Dove. <laughs> oh, it was. It was everything. It was from what time? What time am I going to be home? Yeah. To what did I do yesterday? Yeah. To you know, is this my sock on the ground? You know. It, stupid. I'm glad you mentioned that because it reminds me I have made tremendous progress on one of my favorite my favorite lie was have. to my favorite lie was to tell myself I could drink like a normal person but my <laughs> other favorite lie was to just tell my wife that I had left work at a different time yes. and that I was a different spot yes. on my drive yes. home. Yeah. Day after day, I would tell that lie. And yeah. You know what? I really don't tell that lie very often anymore. So right. thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Sure, no problem. But it is those little things, man. <laughs> the little like, things. When you come from a life, Darcy, of all of you who say are lies, little things matter. It makes a difference in our growth. <laughs> you should try it sometime. You see, it's really exciting. Yeah, yeah try living yeah. life of lies. I know you've never done that, but go for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guys, how you feel? Oh, like I could, I could, like I could do more. Like you know, I, like I told you earlier, I, 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 I need to do more. And uh, right on, yeah. But this, this has been a great experience today. Right on. I really appreciate you guys coming on. I know it's been a few years since I've been bugging you about it, and now I won't bug you anymore about it.